0: Hi and hello and welcome to another episode of the Grace People Podcast. I'm Dan Lugo, your host, and we are exploring grace in every corner of our community, White Bear Lake, Minnesota, and beyond. Well, if you're anything like me, you've been driving up Highway 61 in White Bear Lake, and just as you cross over County Road E, you've seen a fleet of white buses on a parking lot on the right-hand side. Who are they? What do they do? Well, wonder no more. Today we've got Executive Director Mike Greenbaum and Community Coordinator Scott Bolson, and they are here to tell us about the unique work they do transporting vulnerable adults as well as some other really unique services. So it's just really encouraging to hear what's going on in our community, and they are here to tell you all about it. So here we go, Episode 10 of the Greatest People Podcast with new tracks.
1: Well, I'll start. My name is Mike Greenbaum. I'm the executive director of New Tracks. Um, I've been with New Tracks since, um, well, I've been part of New Tracks since its inception. New Tracks was established in 2011 as a collaborative project with uh, Merrick and PAI, which are two day programs for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities in this White Bear Northeast metro area. So, in late 2010, 2011, um, I was the finance and development director for Merrick, which is one of the partner organizations, and uh, PAI's executive director at the time, the person that found PAI, PAI, was looking at, or was leaving, was retiring. And so, we at Merrick, the executive director Merrick John Barker, approached them asking what their plans were and how they plan to move forward. And um, through those discussions, we determined that there was ways to partner and collaborate to make both organizations more efficient. And so through those discussions with the outgoing executive director and the new and the incoming executive director at PAI, we started looking at ways that we could collaborate and the thing that became the most apparent and where the most cost savings could happen and create other efficiencies was transportation. Um, programs for adults with disabilities, uh, financial backing from the state was decreasing at the time as it has continued to do so since. And um, creating those efficiencies and saving money became, you know, very important to those organizations at that time. So um transportation was an area where both organizations would often have buses or vehicles going to the same group home bringing people to their program sites that might only be 2 miles apart so it was a great place to start and other than uh staff wages was the second most uh, heavy budget area for both organizations mm, wow. and so trying to create efficiencies there made a lot of sense And uh, with that, in addition to creating the cost savings and efficiencies, uh, we're doing a lot of other good things, too, in that you're taking vehicles off the road, traveling fewer miles, uh, fewer emissions, um, coincide with fewer vehicles, and also able to start focusing on a professional driver group as opposed to having program staff do the driving as well. So you could really train and have uh, people focused on being good, safe drivers and focus on that part of their job as opposed to the, well, this is a little sideline of your job. And so it made hiring program staff easier for those programs in addition to the safety features the uh, um, and increased efficiencies of combining the transportation. And... At the time, and it continues to be, we couldn't just trade riders Um, from an insurance perspective. Merrick couldn't just transport uh, people from PAI, and PAI couldn't just transport people from Merrick without a special licensing, and uh, a lot that went into that. So we determined early on that the best way to do that was to create a unique nonprofit, New Tracks at the time, or it became New Tracks, to uh, to provide that service to both to both organizations. And at the you know, when we first initiated New Tracks, the thought was okay, we're going to focus on the transportation first, and there may be other shared services that could be combined after that. And um, eventually, we did add it, financial analysis and management, along with. Um, facility maintenance as well for those two organizations, and so um, we've been able to create and meet those goals from an efficiency, cost saving standpoint, from a, a transportation perspective, and once we started being able to do that, we realized that, you know, we had some great assets at our disposal in. 45 to 50, 15 passenger buses and a great qualified uh, group of drivers that were working, you know, about 35 hours a week that could use more hours and um, a midday of about two and a half hours and evenings and weekends where these buses were truly being underutilized. And so at that point, we started looking at other ways that we could better utilize these vehicles and also hopefully meet other transportation gaps in our community. As a nonprofit, we truly saw our focus first and foremost to be able to work with our founding organizations, but also to be a community partner and help fill some of those other transportation gaps that are out there in our community and use these assets that we had. So um, we created a position uh, and got some uh, funding support from MnDOT to do that, to better utilize these vehicles and find new opportunities. And created a community transportation coordinator. Um, we hired our first person, and she was with us for about nine months, and uh, was a terrific person and did some great, took some great strides in creating a template for what we needed to do. But just wasn't the right fit for the position, and, and we both realized that. And she took another opportunity, and Scott and I happened to know each other from a, from other community-oriented things that we do together, and um, timing was was great. And we brought him on, I believe, it's two thousand sixteen, mm-hmm. yeah. and as um, the community transportation coordinator, with his goal to be able to utilize those assets that we had in the vehicles and the drivers to meet those transportation gaps in our middays and evenings and weekends. And he saw the opportunity and it was his ties in the community to work with uh, senior programs, um, churches, other nonprofits to uh, find ways to utilize, utilize our buses and um, The growth of it and what we've done from a community aspect has just been tremendous over the last five years and it's helped ingrain us even more in our community and uh, we feel so positive and good about the um, other gaps that we're serving and could not have a better person out there working with uh, the seniors and other community groups uh, that uh, Scott has done over the last five years.
0: That's some high accolades, sir. Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll
2: pay you a little later, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that.
0: Well, that's good. Well, I know we've uh, benefited as a community at Community of Grace, the church uh, that we have had on Sunday mornings, you know, for a few years now, routes uh, with new tracks buses and in different capacities bringing people. So that's just been a really cool connection. How did you uh, what was your entryway into this? How did you feel when you got that call and what was your vision starting out into this role?
2: Well, it was kind of funny because Mike and I had known each other for a while and he didn't say it, but we're both vested in the uh, youth basketball within White Bear Lake. Uh, We've been for a long time. So We've been coaching together. We've been uh, doing a number of things with that. So just having that outreach opportunity, knowing people in and around this community was fantastic. So when Mike presented that opportunity to me, opportunity to me I sat back and I said, okay, so how are we going to eat this elephant You know, one bite at a time here? And we really kind of strategized. We've had plenty of meetings where we sat down and said, so what are the types of programs that we should be looking towards? who are the connections that we should be reaching out to. And we realize that <clears throat> when we stay in you know, our lane, pardon the pun, uh, we can be tremendous within the community and we can show other organizations in the community how new tracks can be a transportation provider and they can do what they do well, we'll do what we do well, and all of a sudden there's this synergy and this trust factor. And I think that relationship building came into play. So when we realized there were more and more of those opportunities and doors that could be opened, I simply went out and started knocking on doors and and making phone calls and building that trust factor. And it just started to take off. You know, working with MnDOT, working with Ramsey County, a lot of organizations within, certainly don't want this to be braggadocious, but as the new track's name was getting out there and that trust factor was getting out there, uh, we were mentioned more and more, and it just seemed that there was a lot more calls and emails that came in, and we were able to craft and work on different projects or pilot programs that didn't necessarily have to solve the answer of transportation for the masses. It was able to solve Transportation for much smaller entities or communities. And we didn't have to invest a lot, if any, because we already owned our assets. We had the buses, we had the infrastructure, we had our maintenance crew for our buses, we had the drivers. The only thing that was maybe missing was some of these downtimes that Mike mentioned that we could start filling gaps and truly serving the community within those gaps. And as we ventured out and got creative, we realized that sometimes if you could just take that risk and try to build something, prove that it's working, it's much easier to go after some of the needed funding later when you can show that that need is being filled. And we did that quite often, quite often.
0: What's one example of a risk you took there to build something before uh, it had any funding?
2: Well, I shouldn't say before we had any funding, we Sorry. had some believers, yeah. some backing in a couple of different community organizations that, that may have uh, started the spark with the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the clearest examples would be our White Bear Lake circulator loop that is serving, I think we have, uh, prior to COVID, we had two, two buses on two different loops one day every week, probably serving close to 18 to 19 different senior communities, taking them to places that they would like to shop. And we built that and got it started, and from there was able to present to various communities that are touching the White Bear Lake area. Talked to city councils, put together kind of a brief presentation to be able to show that this isn't just about tracks wanting to build business as much as it is. tracks has an opportunity to serve community. Mm. And we were able to do that in such a way that it caught the interest level And it answered some questions for the communities we're working with, whereby which they knew that there was transportation gaps. They didn't have the resources or necessary funding to start anything from scratch. So here we were able to come partner with them, collaborate with them, and do things together, knowing that, hey, after three months, if what we've tried isn't quite working, We can pivot on that we can adjust things we can take a look at pulling back or expanding so many different ways to do that and we became very good at being flexible and realizing that it's not always our ideas that have to be the ultimate answer to things as it it really turned into how can we utilize these collaborations and relationships to put trust in the new tracks to perform a service that fits their needs not necessarily just our needs and from there it has blossomed well in the last five years yeah you know i'd like to add that you know one of the
1: great things that we have is so many places that are involved in transportation are so often government entities it's the department of transportation it's a county it's the state Mm -hmm. and we have the advantage of being a smaller, more nimble organization, that we can take risks because we don't have to solve everyone's problems. We can solve a particular problem. Right. And we've had some of these pilots that just didn't work. Our first foray into a, uh, a circulator loop was a more limited scope where we thought that people from a couple communities um, would really welcome the desire to go to the food shelf. Mm -hmm. and we tried something for probably six to nine months, and what we thought would be hugely desirable ended up not being so, that they preferred to get themselves there. And so, but because we're nimble enough to, to learn our lessons, you know, cut ties before it, you know, we lose too much or anything like that. We're able to do that and learn from those mistakes and try new things and knowing that not everything we try is going to work, but we're small and nimble enough to be able to take those chances where if that's MnDOT or Ramsey County taking some of those chances, they have to solve so many people's problems. Mm-hmm. That's a lot tougher for them to uh, try some of the pilot type of things that, uh, we have done time and time again, and that more often than not have been successful. And then we try to share our successes with others and hope others can learn from them and our failures with others too, and hopefully learn and replicate what we learn and build on and grow from what what we've started.
2: And from a a senior transportation standpoint, I think what's been really intriguing for me is our drivers have been able to build great relationships with their riders. Mm -hmm. That is such a key thing. Rather than step back and go, how many rides did we give and what did it cost? Sometimes we step back and say, how many people did we serve and, and how did this affect uh, Martha or how did this affect Tom? Uh, how did we enrich their lives and how did we help them perhaps maintain their independence when they've had to give up their car or driving? And it sounds like I'm standing on a soapbox and I'm not, but I think when you put a little bit of that passion behind a service that is actually a business, you start to make some pretty good strides without having to say, you know, for me to go into Mike's office and Mike would never do this, but if he would say, well, Scott, you know, where's our numbers this month? That's just not what happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talk a lot about what are different ways that we can serve, fill those transportation gaps, enjoy what we do, and make certain that there's uh, these needs are being met.
0: That's great, and one thing that I know about you guys is you love people a lot. Um, it's mm-hmm. just evident in what you do and uh, the stories uh, that I hear, because I'm married to an employee. Um, right. <laughs> and that's just one thing that's so clear, is your love for people, um, which sounds like it's just informed so many mm-hmm. of your decisions. Now, clearly, all of that got, um, not that, but, uh, well, everything got turned on its head because you you used the words pre-COVID, which means there has been a COVID since then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah has. And for you guys to be small and nimble and pivot, um, what did that, what has that looked like for you guys and where has it brought you to now?
1: Well, the timing that we're doing this podcast is kind of ironic from that standpoint is March 16th of 2020. Our world turned, um, and we knew March 16th of 2020 was going to turn our world, but we thought in a whole different way. We had a large expansion of services that was scheduled to start, or that did start March 16th, 2020. We started transporting um, adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities for two additional organizations, which was going to increase our riders by about a third. So we had one day of that. Prior to programming halting, wow. you know, March sixteenth to the three months prior, we were trying to hire new employees, build routes, plan for for that expansion. We did it for one day, um, March seventeenth. It's a, you know, professionally, it's a day I'll never forget, where we called fifty drivers into our break room, and I had to tell them, I'm sorry, we have nothing starting tomorrow and we have no idea how long this is going to last or what it's going to look like on the other side of this and um as a nonprofit as a smaller nonprofit um did not have the ability to continue to pay people continue to employ people um without knowing where the revenue was coming from so on that day um we we changed focus real quickly and started thinking about you know from a couple perspectives what is the community going to need now with this new world dynamic and we wanted to serve our community knowing that we our community is going through a very difficult time and we also wanted to do whatever we could to um, keep employing our team we had a great team a team we were very proud of and wanted to make sure that whenever the other side happened, we had an intact group and team. And that's where, you know, we went to work and started looking for new opportunities.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those those opportunities came rather quickly. And we had to really stop and think, how are we going to handle these opportunities? And it, when I say opportunities, they were those opportunities were working with distributing food. In some capacity um, for the next couple weeks we had to source out and start opening the doors of communication with state agencies county agencies communities emergency food shelves uh, and school districts that well that actually came later because schools were having to figure out on their own for a while what was going to happen with you know now school shutting down in terms of in person attendance Uh, But we started small and we were able to experiment with a relationship with the YMCAs all around the Twin Cities and working with loaves and fishes. So they were the food provider. We were the food distributor or the transportation method. And the YMCAs were the distributors of the food once they received it. So, again, everybody stayed in their lane, did what they were good at. And uh, we just had an amazing project that I think at the end of that, that particular relationship, what did we determine, Mike, was about 800,000-plus meals that were served or oh. uh, delivered on a new tracks vehicle. And then during that time, other relationships were formed from working with restaurants, from working with emergency food shelves for other things, yeah. uh, both within Ramsey County and Washington County. Uh, and I, I think... And Mike, you could probably address this even better, but when we look back, I think we probably retained 90 plus percent of our driving force. Would you say? Am I close on that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I was talking to someone about this just the other day. I don't think our turnover in the last year from March 16th, 2020 to March 16th, 2021 was any higher than our turnover in any other particular year was Mm, and it's something we are extremely proud of as an organization our administrative (laughs) team has stayed 100% intact Mm -hmm. and our driver our driver group um, I think we probably had um, somewhere between in the neighborhood of 15% turnover which is pretty typical of what we see in another year and you know we've taken advantage of you know, the government support with the PPP to help pay drivers. And that was one of the big parts of this food distribution. We were able to pay drivers um, their normal wages and be able to do the food distribution at significantly reduced costs because of receiving that PPP funds. Mm-hmm. And so we kept everyone on payroll. And, you know, we were really concerned at with that at the start, because that was right when the $600 unemployment benefit started. And we were thinking, oh my gosh, our drivers are going to, they're going to make less than they would on unemployment. And they did make less than they would have on unemployment. But we only had a couple questions about it that said, nope, but this is what we need to stay viable as an organization. This is what we need to do to serve our community by distributing this food. And they were they were supportive
2: we had drivers that said they would rather make a little less but stay busy Stay busy Mm. yeah it was really heartwarming when you heard from some of them just just get me put me back to work keep me busy yeah and that was good that's good that you
0: guys were able to do that for sure
1: and this why program i mean we talked about the community um involvement that we've had this this all started through an introduction Um, from Dr. Mike Lovett, the former superintendent of White Bear Schools. This is work that we've done with him and the knowledge that he had of us and that we had of him. Prior, he's a uh, Twin City YMCA board member, and so he reached out to their operations person and us and said, hey, is is there a fit here? And then we took it from there, and all he did was make the introduction, and then we made that happen, and that you know that was key really to everything else that has happened since because that allowed us to get through those first couple months when we didn't know what was going to happen right. and then we got our feet under us a little bit and um
2: was Mike it? wasn't the original uh, conversation with the YMCAs it was actually trying to form a little bit of a senior program prior to covid and the right. fact that we had had that introduction yes. and had some of those conversations yes. to develop a transportation mm-hmm. program, getting people to the Y. As soon as that fizzled with COVID, it just had a nice segue into mm-hmm. the food conversations.
0: Mm-hmm. So you weren't just a blind date. You'd already had a right. couple right. conversations yes. there. And right. could right. make that work. Well, That's great. Yeah. With, with what you guys are doing now, um, just thinking about clients, future clients, <laughs> who you want to serve, people who are listening to this podcast. When, uh, What type of people would you serve? Somebody's hearing and they're thinking they would might Want to take advantage of your services or they don't know like am i am i a person who could use these new tracks or could our organization uh you know use what you guys do who what would you say you know who oh, who is a good fit for doing what for linking up with you guys
2: absolutely yeah i uh i i believe that as we look at next steps for different things uh a client that we'd love to work with might be somebody who has had a bus that's sitting idle not knowing what to do with it, still needing the service, and giving us an opportunity to come in and show how there might be some cost savings for them, uh, take a little bit off of their plate from having to do the transportation, you know, let new tracks take care of that, to faith communities that may be able to use services to get some of their uh, parishioners back into the church that may not otherwise have an ability to drive there. I think that as we expand within the next six to nine months, we do have on the drawing board seven additional circulator loops in and around the Ramsey County area that will serve uh, quite a few different senior living communities. And that's going to be the type of thing that we will expand greatly on to make certain that all who understand what that circulator service is all about We'll be able to answer questions, make presentations to those seniors. We'll help people understand how, even if they're not living in a senior community, but might be living close to the route that we've set up, how can they have uh, access to our circulator buses that are going around to get them to do their shopping, to help them with getting out of isolation, to make certain that they are feeling like they still have a vibrant part in community with their independence where they may not be doing the driving but they've been able to figure out a way how to, they can get on a bus, they can travel with a friend, they can go do their shopping, they can stop at a restaurant, they can get to their pharmacy as needed and at the end of the day they they can say, you know what, I did this myself and those are the things that we want people to hear and understand and be able to calling us to sit down and talk about what that might look like.
1: And, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that um, those additional seven circulator loops are made possible through a Department of Human Services grant called the Live Well at Home grant that's help us, helps to support us to do that. And, mm. you know, at the most basic level, it's group transportation, primarily focused on seniors and people with disabilities. Right. Um, you know, we expand beyond that a little bit, but our our focus area is that it's group transportation for uh, for seniors and people with disabilities. And um, you know, we tried. We have some intent to try to stay close to Ramsey County for a couple reasons, um, from some of our funding perspective, but also it's um, it's our home community. But we do go outside of Ramsey County as well into Washington County, Hennepin
2: County, and around the. Around the metro area. Absolutely. And as a shameless plug, this is an opportunity that if we could have ears listening for people who might be perhaps even in semi-retirement mode that would be interested to become a driver for us, to serve their community, to to give back and find some time to fill their days as well, Mm -hmm. we would love to talk to them about that opportunity.
0: That's great. What, what, is a, what does a driver do? Like, What does that involve on a typical day-to-day for them? Well, the two
2: aspects of the business that we have that Mike mentioned, our core business in serving our, our two partners, uh, Merrick and PAI, that would be an actual route that they would have in the morning and then again in the afternoon, getting those adults with uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities to and from their day programs, their training uh, perhaps their jobs and then from the community side of things it might be uh having events where it could be two to two and a half hours three hours a day two to three days a week you know kind of at their choice as a part-time driver to serve on the senior end of things and also serving people with disabilities who might be living in some of those senior communities uh, Again, whether it's taking them shopping, uh, a group that needs to go to the movies, sporting events when they get back into play here, mm-hmm. uh, those kind of things are where our drivers get to build those relationships with those groups that we would set up and work with. Yeah, so we're always looking for both full
1: and part-time drivers. Yeah, um, You know, the part-time drivers can be either on call or they can let us know what their schedule allows them to do. and. You know right now is a great time with some of the funding we've recently been able to get we've been able to add some signing bonuses um, for both full and part-time drivers to uh, to sign on and become part of our team and you know it's what i always tell people it's a it's a difficult challenging job for really the first 60 to 90 days because you're learning probably to drive a little bit bigger vehicle you don't need a cdl and we do all our own driver training but it's a lot of people aren't used to driving the bigger vehicles. Um, You get to learn to know the area and you either learn to work with either seniors or people with disabilities, which can be a challenge at the start, but after you get to do it for a little while, that becomes truly what the joy of the job is. And so once once you get to know the folks that you're transporting and having those day-to-day relationships, that's what people keep that's what keeps right. people working there right. and um so once you get used to those things okay. it it becomes a job that people really value but it's a challenge for the first 60 to 90 days as you get used to those things
2: like anything else a new Just, job yeah, is a little is overwhelming now yeah. that you get into. And, uh, the, the difference being that our drivers come aboard and they realize they have precious cargo aboard yeah and mm-hmm. that responsibility to be safe and accurate with their training and knowing what to do in an emergency mm-hmm. and how to be a, a defensive driver, all of those things come into play. So it's not overwhelming, but it is something that takes a little time to get used mm-hmm. to. And once they do, it's like clockwork for them. It mm-hmm. just works works out very well.
0: That's great. So you heard that, listeners. If you are uh, sitting at home and you need something to do, you can drive and love people at the same time. That's awesome. Who doesn't want to do that? Absolutely. Maybe That's I'll do right. that. That'll be an evening job.
1: Yes. <laughs> I love to have Yes, I, guess. I uh, know someone you could talk to about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hmm. yes.
0: Um So we am going to wrap it with this. Um, our mission on this podcast is to see grace in every corner of our community, White Bear Lake, Minnesota, and beyond. And so, uh, just a question that each of you can answer: Where do you see grace in your corner of the community through what you're doing? Well,
1: I'll start with that, and I, you know, to me. It's uh, truly two areas. Um, number one, I have to mention um, the grace of our team at New Tracks. Over this last year, the flexibility, the ingenuity, um, what we have done to step up and meet community needs from the food distribution, um, a restaurant. Um, delivery program to serve meals to people in need and help local restaurants, and you know Scott and I have come up with a lot of crazy ideas over this last year that our drivers and administrative team have done just an amazing, phenomenal job mm-hmm. of being um, flexible and responsive and changing on the fly. And each day is a new puzzle to solve, and they've they've done it. So I truly, agree. seen seen grace in our team. And secondly, this community we live in um, from, you know, the city of White Bear has taken great leadership and um, been a great partner in so many ways. Uh, worked with the city of Adnes Heights, Mata Bini, White Bear Township, to other nonprofits, um, VHEDC, um, Solid Ground, the Food Shelf we've worked with, and. The way this community and the businesses in this community have banded together is um, phenomenal. And um, just, we feel so blessed and fortunate to be doing the work we're doing in such a supportive, amazing community.
2: Yeah, and we've had such great support from the White Bear Lake Area Community Foundation, uh, from the Vatness Heights Community nice. Foundation. Uh, we've had support from the Lions uh, I want to make certain that we're not the missing rotary. a few other than rotary.
0: Um, The Rotary. Let's just assume you're going to miss a few. <laughs>
2: we may miss a few. So yeah. we, uh, we we will say up front that we apologize if we've missed you, yep, but yep. we appreciate you very yep. much. Uh, I know for for myself with Grace, the days that become tough trying to coordinate transportation, coordinate drivers, deal with maybe inclement weather, I step back and realize that the grace that we want to give is for the people who don't have an option to take care of their transportation needs. They may not have solutions. And we don't know what goes on in their life, in their home, without this. Some may or may not have family support to do this. And that true isolation factor that that factor of not feeling like you can be an active member in society because you are now elderly or senior. The grace that I want to give for that is I want to throw that out the window and say that as a company, we're proud to say that we're trying to break those barriers down, provide those opportunities and realize that we want to have the compassion for the people who can't otherwise help themselves from a transportation standpoint. Um, In one quick story. There have been several octogenarians that we've worked with that prior to COVID could not wait for the bus to show up to go shopping. And they'll have their story to tell. Or the war veterans who uh, can no longer drive that have told their stories. The enrichment that our seniors can bring to our community is unbelievable. And I would have to say, Mike, I think... You and I have talked about this many times. We are so proud to be able to come up with solutions and give the grace where it's needed to be able to help them mm-hmm. and and feel for what their needs needs are and
1: to help people with disabilities be um, work, you yes. know get yep. them to jobs, let them get to what's so meaningful to them with their programs and their vocations and uh, yeah we're we're truly fortunate to go to work every day and um, be able to help and assist amazing, wonderful people.
0: Yeah, I would agree. That's fabulous. Well, I love what you guys do, and I'd love to hear more of the story behind it. So thanks for being here. Thanks for telling your story. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Once again, that was Mike Greenbaum and Scott Olson from New Tracks here in White Bear Lake. You can reach them at newtracks.org as well as find them on Facebook and Instagram. Well, hey, it's been an exciting run this year. We've had 10 episodes, and we're going to take the summer off to regroup and find some exciting new guests for next season. If you know someone who would be great for the show, go ahead and recommend them to me, and we'll see what we can do. Uh, over the summer, we've got some exciting things happening at Community of Grace, including the Community Garage Sale on June 19th, which is part of Manitou Days in White Bear Lake, and we will also be offering Vacation Bible School for our students uh, as well as other things for high schoolers, uh, different things for adults. So if you are interested in things of faith, or maybe this is something you've never really considered, but you're like, ah, what's this all about? Go ahead and reach out to me, dan at gracepeople.church. We'd love to uh, just connect. I'd love to connect with you. I'll buy you lunch. All right, that's the deal. Well, hope you've enjoyed this first season of the Grace People podcast. I have enjoyed exploring... White Bear Lake, so many great things here, and there's so much grace to be seen. Until next time...